0: Welcome to Tech Insights from Infotech Research Group, the podcast where a group of expert analysts help technology leaders cut through all the noise and focus on what really matters. Remember 2008? I do. It was a good year, a simpler time. Barack Obama was elected as president. Blackberry was still a cool smartphone to have. The Coen Brothers classic, No Country for Old Men, won the Oscar for Best Picture. And when I wanted to know when my next bus was coming, I used the Red Rocket app to find out. Red Rocket was all over the media in 2008. It was a feel-good technology story that combined civics and entrepreneurialism. You see, the Toronto Transit Commission, which likes to call itself the Red Rocket, it didn't make the app, and it didn't even release the data to make it possible. Instead, an independent website called myttc.ca collected the data and released it on their website with the schedules and maps and service advisories just sitting there free for the taking app developer, George Tellerson and graphic designer, Hillary Street, just had to come along and build some software. They even sold the app for $1.99 in 2020 things have changed. The TTC now releases its schedules and even real-time data to open-source repositories. Red Rocket is now called Rocketman. MyTTC.ca is still active, too. And so are many other apps built by so-called citizen developers in Toronto. The city maintains a huge open data portal, and it's adding to it all the time. Aside from transit data, you can find data about waste collection, bicycle sharing, childcare, water quality at the beach, and events across the city. One group that's latched on to the movement to take that data and turn it into products and services for residents is Civic Tech Toronto. It hosts hack nights weekly, dedicated to finding solutions to civic challenges through technology and design. Joining me today on Tech Insights to discuss it all is Skyra Pojunis. She's the senior engagement advisor At Ontario Digital Service and she's also a co-organizer at Civic Tech Toronto. Hi Skydra.
1: Hi Brian, thanks for having me.
0: Really glad to have you here. Tell me all about Civic Tech Toronto. How did this group come together and how did you end up as one of the co-organizers?
1: Yeah, for sure. So again, thank you so much for having this and, and giving a, like a, a platform and an opportunity for Civic Tech Toronto to join this discussion. And I think really before getting into that question, it's important for me to also explain what I think Civic Tech is, and also want to preface that I am one voice in a broader community in a broader ecosystem, but loosely. Uh, civic tech is an integrated movement with an aim of using tech to improve our communities, our cities, and our governments. And really, civic tech is a commitment or an aspiration to develop tech in a way that is thoughtful, user-centered, iterative, data-driven, open-source, and collaborative. Um, I like to also credit Sid Harrell. She's um, uh, she's uh, so a civic technologist by trade, as, as, as she identifies herself, and has released a book called Civic Technologist Practice Guide and um, sort of defines those who work in civic tech um, as as a kind of um, public digital good to be as good as the ones made by commercial entities, so that the public can access services, exercise rights, and build communities with the ease and respect that best digital technology can afford. So when I talk about Civic Tech Toronto... What this community is, is a space for people to learn and experiment with tech as a form of civic engagement, but really as an opportunity to focus on public issues. So, as you mentioned, Civic Tech Toronto is a group that meets weekly. We're 100% volunteer run. We're a group of passionate Torontonians. Um, we've been around for almost five years now. We celebrate our fifth anniversary in July. I myself have only really been around with the community since uh, 2018, um, but really these hack nights offer a chance to to meet new people, to to discuss civic issues facing Torontonians and how technology might intersect um, with some of those questions. And so finally, for me personally, why I've joined this community is is really, um, I am a Torontonian. I've lived here my whole life. Um, and back in 2017, when Waterfront Toronto and Alphabet, uh, Sidewalk, Alphabet's Sidewalk Labs merged to create Sidewalk Toronto, Civic Tech Toronto entered into my periphery, particularly Bianca Wiley, who's someone I credit as being um, really thoughtful and an activist in sort of the intersections of of public interest and technology, and so really this this sparked this spurred spurred rather my personal interest to come out to a hack night. Uh, it was instantly hooked. and I just remember leaving really energized by the people in the room by um, this being a space where designers and and um, lawyers and developers and public servants could gather, and I've been connected ever since as a speaker and lately as a co-organizer.
0: Yeah, that's great that um, you, you mentioned Bianca there. I've uh, been reading her for years, definitely, and um, had the chance to interview her a couple of times myself. So um, that's that's interesting that uh, you you uh, followed her work too, and um, you know for this group. That, that you organize and, and you get together with every week um it's it's as you say it's all volunteer right these are just people that live in Toronto and um I just wonder like do you have to have a certain level of digital literacy to join the group
1: yeah I, I mean I'm really I'm really glad you're answering you're asking this question because I think um, I think that's like a really big, sort of mis- misconception that to join Civic Tech Toronto, you know, you have to have a coding background. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think what this community has really taught me, as, as someone who comes to the space with a public relations background, who 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 has not grown up sort of developing or building, uh, I guess, websites or um, like really, truly, I wouldn't define myself as a te- technologist or developer. It's really about focusing on the issues and then determining how can tech help solve or help um, help solve the problem? Like, it's really about refining the mm-hmm. problem and then th- thinking through, well, how can tech um, or how can a service design rework or how can user experience or user research um, help solve the problem? And civic tech then really becomes this sort of goal towards convening experts, volunteers, those who are interested in coming out, then connecting people to opportunities or those or projects that... Kind of naturally form week after week, and then eventually creating solutions and prototypes. But really, we're not the owners of these solutions or the prototypes. Mm-hmm. Civic Tech Toronto was more like a um, kind of like a catalyst, a sort of ecosystem, a commons for these ideas and these solutions to emerge.
0: Right, that makes sense. And I, I mean, you don't know how to code, or you don't have to know how to code. So there's other talents that people can lend to this sort of effort. Okay, great. Good, yeah, but I, I noticed a lot of the collaboration as I was discovering your community and, and navigating through it, a lot of it was uh, digitally oriented. I mean, this is about civic tech, uh, right? So I, I shouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I joined the Slack channel and there was the um, there was other digital tools that were used to collaborate uh, that, that I came across. So it's safe to say you guys live on the internet
1: Lately we've we've definitely been convening on the internet for sure. But I will say, which is maybe perhaps a bit ironic, but up until March we were actually meeting in person, like weekly. Yeah. And we've actually, you know, despite being tech in, in the name, we've we've also kind of been relearning how to keep the community going asynchronously throughout the week, how to really like take advantage of the digital tools that were perhaps not used as much. Prior to COVID, in a very open way, so it's it's been a learning curve,
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, just like uh, for, for everyone. For everyone,
1: yeah, for everyone, for sure. That's
0: that's yeah. true for you too. Uh, so in the enterprise world, um, we talk about citizen developers too, and uh, what we mean when we say it in that sense is that we're talking about non-technical users, so people outside of the IT department, but they are able to use no code. low-code tools to build software solutions and uh, the best common examples I can point to for this are like Microsoft Power Tools or if you are a Salesforce user you can do a lot on the Lightning platform there too so I'm just wondering if the same sort of tools are relevant to your community do you use any of these no-code and low-code tools uh, to build solutions
1: yeah I I think I think it's really hard to to avoid it. I, I I think definitely. I mean, even just in how we communicate with one another, how we like uh, assemble s- stand-ups, like just how we in general like f- communicate and and keep the consistency going. I mean, you mentioned that, like yeah, we have a Slack space that helps in sort of launching some of these tools. Um, but more broadly, like if you look at some of the groups like a big, a big problem that we continue to discuss week by week is the digital divide. And so how can we also bring it, bring it down a notch and actually talk about tech in the form of like, like wood laser cut forms and, and, and what are the problems that Torontonians are facing in terms of getting access to technology? And if they're unable to access computers or able to access certain devices, what can we as a community, uh, build in lieu of that, um, but then when when so one so i think <laughs> i think this is where i get a bit thrown off but i th- i think really what's what's been helping us drive innovation in this time is being able to use low code tools to keep the brainstorms and keep the knowledge transfer going strong, whether it be through whiteboarding exercises or whether it be through, again, communication channels, and then really also opening up what tech can mean and how tech can be useful more broadly in this.
0: Okay, so it's really about collaboration. That's how you're viewing it here is um, digital tools are are helping us collaborate and, and work together, especially right now.
1: I would say, yeah, for sure. Okay, for sure.
0: Do you like when you're building software, because you guys do have uh, some software that's come out of your community, right? And um, we'll get into the specifics of a few of those solutions in a minute here, but I am curious, right, if um what what are the what is the process you use to actually build the software? because um I think that ultimately, like Civic tech Toronto, like to me, Yes, you're bringing people together, you're collaborating, you're helping to define the problem, but you are also bringing technology solutions to bear uh, to address some of these things, right? So when you do that part of it, right, and that's only part of what you do, but when you are doing it, how are you doing it? How are you developing
1: I personally have never been part of an actual development project, and so okay. I can I can really only speak to sort of the experiences that are shared, like, through report backs and through, you know, our kind of, like, meetups, um, and, I mean, I don't know how, to, how else to answer, other than, like, we're, we're working through sort of, like, a basic, um, like... Uh, like some models of agile and scrumming are, are brought into the development of, of these projects. Mm-hmm. If that's, if that's kind of what you're getting at. Like the model of collaboration is can, can some um, found in some of these projects, especially like with um, one product. I mean, I can get into some examples, maybe that's helpful to illustrate it, but I.
0: Let's do that. Let's, uh, because we have a few examples that we were talking about, emailing about back and forth here and I think these are really interesting to give people like some examples of um, the the things you've done And your community has done some wonderful stuff here so let's let's start let's talk about bike space first
1: yeah for sure so bike spaces is a really interesting um, example of how the city of Toronto kind of actually played a more um, consistent Role in actually developing a tech solution. So the the problem was that there's a, a, a challenge, you know, actually finding and locating spaces within uh, across Toronto, for like bike bike space opportunities. Like where to where to actually park your bike. Like where are the bike spaces in Toronto? How can I easily find them as a user um, on my phone or in a way that's that's helpful? And so the city of Toronto actually was able to. Um, partially fund a product manager part-time that was able to convene a mixed group of designers and developers on a weekly basis. They would meet during our hack nights and they would um, continuously like build out their plan and their, um, and their, you know, their process to sort of approaching this problem, their interviews and, and, and whatnot. And over time, they were actually able to roll out a prototype. And so this is now, um, moved from the Civic Tech Toronto kind of being lead product managers to now the city of Toronto being able to be a product owner in the rollout of this project. And so um that was a really interesting experience really? to kind of so, witness.
0: So you handed this off to the city to run.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're we're now no longer um really involved in the management of this of this product.
0: So that's pretty cool because it's just volunteers came, came together, put their heads to to a problem. Um, And then they came up with a solution uh, where to find bike parking in the city. And now the city is like, yeah, we'll run that service. Let's do that. Exactly.
1: And I think the key, though, for this one is that there was a bit of financial support given towards a part-time product manager. And I think that did really help kind of keep the consistency and kind of gave a bit of leverage and and not only was it financial support but there was also promotional support and there was like um just a bit more of a continuous like check-in from the city that we don't always see with every project and so i think um yeah yeah yeah, led to it sort of like and how do the bikers
0: how do the bikers use it sorry
1: on on your phone so you can actually download it yeah it's an application exactly yeah
0: what of course everything's now these days will it tell will it also tell me how to swap the tire on my bicycle because that was something i was wrestling with uh last night
1: that would be really useful that that Uh, would be a useful additional (laughs) modification
0: okay i guess i'll have to stick with youtube for that one but um that's just one of the things that uh uh, you guys have done and um, we'll only talk through a few examples here but, but we have a few more uh, like the Toronto Mesh Network.
1: Yeah for sure I mean I I, I feel like I am I can only again really speak to it on a sort of really high level but I will say that what's so interesting about Toronto Mesh in particular is that a lot of the origin uh, so what is Toronto Mesh? So Toronto Mesh is essentially um, a community that's trying to create networks through an open source and peer-to-peer technology approach and and while also just in general promoting like digital literacy and the importance of privacy and um, just the importance of understanding like where digital networks are and, you know, understanding the owners behind them and how they get built and how they grow and this idea, this very idea of creating Toronto Mesh Networks actually emerged through civic tech Toronto hack nights. Like there was, this is, this is where civic Toronto really played a valuable role in convening the space to think through this, think through like where the high priority space is to create, um, like infrastructure for, um, community networks of internet Mm -hmm. providing. And, We've played a role in continuing to invite the C- Toronto Mesh community back. In some ways, Toronto Mesh is like its own civic tech Toronto community, but we okay. we we serve to amplify one another. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah there's obviously or, some or sh- or, yeah or expert sharing or knowledge sharing. Uh-huh. Um, there's there's a synergy between the two communities for sure.
0: Yeah, and there was an an agency involved here, or a team called Digital Ocean that. Um, I've been aware of in Toronto and they're they're involved with Toronto Mesh. Network.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they are, they are, but we, I wouldn't be able to speak too much to that.
0: (laughs) Okay. You know, (laughs) like looking at the website for Toronto Mesh, um, it's a pretty technical actually, uh, sort of service that they're running. Like it's an open source network and they provide different technical services that you can access, uh, like on, on this network, there's a media server. Uh, so you could like host media on it, stream media from it. Uh, they have an email web client, so you you know, it's like an alternative to Gmail, basically. But uh, you you'd still need the the actual email service to to plug into that. Um, there's a chat server. Um, it's interesting. So uh, uh, th- these guys are setting up all these different sort of alternative open source. Uh peer-to-peer networks and uh, from there there's all sorts of development things you could do that aren't dependent on uh, third parties you're only dependent on your own community so um, pretty interesting stuff there Um, let's go on to this law and design collaboration
1: yeah I think so again similar to like many other projects there's there's a a lack of access or a lack of understanding for what what a service might be or what a service could be. And so in the case of Law and Design collab, really originated from this this understanding that just because you have, you know, legal statutes or legal information posted, it doesn't mean that it's, it's getting in the hands of the users that really need to access it. And Um, This community really seeks to bring the skills and the service design expertise of designers with practicing professionals in the legal community. And again, what's interesting about Law & Design is that um, they've been using the Civic Tech Toronto Slack community in particular to run their own um, meetups, to run their own standups. And their model is similar to Civic Tech Toronto's. They kind of run on like 16 week sprints so it's really easy for volunteers to kind of weave in and out it's very um project focused so they kind of tackle one chunk and then they'll have like a product manager that will kind of run it through a cycle and then they'll just continue weaving in and out of that of that process and it's really about like information um plain languaging like just understanding that all this information has to be hosted online so what mm-hmm. Are the ways that um, thinking through this problem through a product or I guess like more um, non-traditional way would be useful
0: great okay so I mean that's that's so important it, it, this is all about making legal services more accessible through digital uh, access points okay yeah that's important uh, let's touch on this last one: Tech Fugees Toronto.
1: Yeah, so I um, so Tech Fugees is um, a community that is part of a much larger network, Tech Fugees, and the Toronto chapter um, has emerged quite recently. And um, I think what's really neat about this group is that. Um, you know, it's it's kind of addressing this this idea of like, well, what does it mean to be a citizen in a sort of tech world, and what are the challenges of employment facing um, immigrants and and refugees coming to Canada, and also how can tech how can the tech community at large support in um, helping helping people settle into into Toronto, into Canada, and um, the community itself is organizing itself through the civic tech Toronto ecosystem and we're really trying to help facilitate expert sharing they'll come out to hack nights and they'll say okay this week we need these kinds of experts or this kind of support how can civic tech Toronto help and I just think it's a really great example of how we are getting stuff done despite this really interesting distributed time and how the tech community at large can really can really step up and and help out
0: right yeah because they are 100% reliant on volunteer work uh, so so they know they can come to your community of volunteers and uh, get get help with whatever um, sort of technology problems they they're looking to solve
1: yeah i mean and we're trying to make it um, we're trying to make it easier for those sort of transactions to happen i mean it's not a perfect model and obviously like it it, it has become more challenging to sort of get a sense of how projects are doing and what kind of need. But I think um, the best we can do is to continue to be this sort of consistent, reliable space where anyone can really join and um, someone will be there to help you out. And and, and if it's not in, in synchronous times, then there's asynchronous ways. Uh, of, of support and connection points to experts that are really just willing to help and kind of help make the world a better place than, 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 than they left it.
0: Great, great. Okay, I think we should talk about one more too, uh, because we were emailing back and forth about this one and talk about like no, low code and no code. This, this solution is no software at all. You don't even need a computer uh, to use it. You, um, it's these Chalmers cards. Do you want to explain those?
1: Yeah, for sure, and I I think also you had asked if we could mention you know the Chalmers signal, and I actually just wanted yeah. to say that Chalmers the so the Chalmers uh, group in particular is is really interesting. Um, uh, so there's two components. I'll actually can start by saying you know Chalmers signal. So Chalmers signal is actually um, really just trying to make trying to solve the the issue facing Toronto shelter homes that there's. Um, a lack of um clear communication between um when a shelter home fills up capacity to then what what the community can do, like what the what the workers in, in, in the shelter homes themselves can do. And so the Chalmer Signal is this product that has been developed to kind of ma- like, uh, make it easier for workers to manually turn a knob to indicate um that they're getting referrals, or that 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 the like that the shelter home is increasing capacity, which hooks up to a Wi-Fi connection. So it's kind of this like pseudo um, like tech project, which meets also like physical artifact. And then to complement that, the team has also developed a Chalmers card, which right. is a laser-printed device that has basic information for anyone who's seeking um, like a hotline information, or or website links, or phone numbers um, to to home shelter uh, resources. So the team itself is developing two in parallel, but I think interesting, like both tech projects, but both very um, different yeah. goals, different right. different.
0: Different ends. It's sort of like the same problem, but different people that are involved in trying to, like, there's the homeless people themselves. They're the ones that should get these Chalmers cards, which is um, laser etched wood. And the the laser etched wood, it's made at uh, these different makerspaces across Toronto, which provide the tools. You can go in and make this for free, essentially, if you download the plans from from this group. Um, you go in and you can use a laser cutter and some scrap wood. And then suddenly you, you bind this together and you can hand it out to people. And it becomes like this easy to read resource guide about how to get, unlock all these resources. And it, it, the way that it breaks it down is really beautiful because it's all graphical. Um, you, would, you wouldn't even really uh, need that many English skills. There's, it's all about making phone calls or going to different places. And uh, it just sort of, communicates really as simply as possible how to get resources that you might need uh, to help you.
1: Beautiful recap. (laughs) That's
0: exactly it. (laughs) Right. And and the signal, uh, you know, I was so impressed by that because it's like a, um, you know, it's like a vacancy meter for homeless shelters, right? So um, you have a certain number of beds, people are coming in to use them, you turn the knob, no, you you've got nine out of 15 beds full right that that's the idea and then i guess that is communicated v- via the wi-fi connection to like um the, the network so people actually know um if they can go to that location and, and it's communicated to workers and whoever can access it
1: exactly exactly okay. that
0: so do you know any of the like are you aware of any of the outcomes uh, related to the, that sort of effort? Have you seen some impact there? Or can you share anything like that?
1: Yeah. So the the team themselves actually came by even even this week to sort of provide a bit of a, a status and just kind of let folks know what 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 their blockers are lately and right now in terms of the chalmers signal it's still in its sort of development stage they've got a working prototype um, and they are looking to pilot it with certain shelter uh toronto shelters they've done some interviews and the staff members are like yeah we're super interested we're on board to make this happen but it's just a matter of launching it (laughs) kind of getting Mm -hmm. it off the ground so not quite not quite able to report on impact yet but as far as the chalmers cards themselves um, super high demand. Um, they, you know, the, the, the team themselves have been mentioning that when, when they do get a stack developed, um, they're, they're used, they've actually seen around the city, like carrying them, clipping them to their bags, which, which is a wonderful thing to experience. And you actually see someone using it. Um, and they're really low cost. So it's something that the team is, is looking to kind of, um, build out more robustly that just the challenge is actually getting access to the laser printers, which used to be in those maker spaces. But right now, during this lockdown, you can't actually get access to a lot of these these uh, in-person maker community spaces. So um, just trying to, honestly, the community is trying to just figure out like, how can we support this and pivot a bit and, and maybe crowdsource someone who might have access to some of these tools to get these things off the ground and and also hyper um, supercharge some of the the user testing needed because it's uh it's always always a matter of getting a few folks to buy into the idea and yeah. then and then it takes off but not quite there yet.
0: Yeah, that critical mass of users that's always important. Okay, well, uh, just to wrap up here, I, I, I'm just sort of curious as to where you think Toronto is at. With its sort of citizen developer community here, compared to other cities cities around the world, and um, do you think um, there's like advancement like this happening elsewhere, or do you have any other examples, or even models that that you try to follow? Uh, where does Toronto stack up with this sort of effort compared to other things?
1: Yeah, I think you'd get a very different question depending on who you'd ask in the community. But for me personally, um, I think what's been really uh, wonderful to see is other Canadian cities picking up a Civic Tech Toronto model. So Montreal actually in particular has just sort of started its community in the summer and is taking um, a bit of a more like learning approach. I've noticed that the that the model is like, let's teach people what Civic Tech 101 is and and make that more of a focus right now as they kind of launch their community. But when you look at um, cities more like Berlin, which I actually think is a real um, incredible model in terms of bringing Civic Tech Toronto with a government partnership approach. So they've got an actually an accelerator um, that. Berlin government sort of partially funds and Civic Tech has access to funds and kind of pitching projects and can tap into resources to sort of get projects off the ground. So I think that's interesting and I would love to see Toronto kind of have a fund pool where Civic Tech Toronto could tap into. Um, I think that's kind of missing at times. You've got these great ideas, you've got these, these people that are so interested and it's sometimes the barrier is just a bit of a bit of capital to kind of get it off the ground or do some promotions or do a bit of um, market research. So that's something I'd like to see more. But I think Civic Tech Toronto in Canada is is really leading the way. We are the first community. We are the most active community in Toronto, uh, Canada, as far as Civic Tech goes. And I'm just really impressed with um, with with those who continue to show up despite despite all the chaos.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, um, it's great that you've been able to continue your activities uh, despite everything that's going on with the pandemic. I I see the the virtual meetings are happening for your uh, weekly meetings, so... I'm glad you've been able to continue it. And, and that's uh, it, it makes total sense that the city should be supporting you. all these citizens coming together, trying to solve problems, do the work for the, the city. So uh, maybe it would make its own job easier uh, to provide a few funds. Great. Skydra, thanks so much for telling me all about this. Uh, I really appreciate you spending the time.
1: For sure. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. And, and I hope to see this, this audience come out to Civic Tech.
0: Okay, wonderful. And uh, for the audience that is listening to Tech Insights, uh, thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast. We come out uh, once a week lately. So uh, subscribe and make sure you get all the new episodes hitting your feed. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And make sure you can go and rate us. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks again, I'm Brian Jackson. Thank you.